Hey friend, I am so excited for today because we're gonna finally talk about some real changes you can start making in your life to live happier, healthier, and more mindful so you can live the life you are proud of. As I've said a few times now, last year I completely burnt myself out and it resulted in seven months of radical self-care where I took a huge step back to reprioritize my life. Seven months ago, I was beyond stressed and overwhelmed and today, I feel much more relaxed and I've started to see life from a new perspective. This is basically a giant overview of what we'll cover in all episodes to come. It's the entire mission behind the podcast, to get you from stressed and overwhelmed to feeling more in control of your mental health. And these are the steps you'll need to follow. You're going to want to take notes for this one. Welcome to Crocheting Through Emotions. If you are sick of feeling exhausted, irritable, and paralyzed by overwhelm, I'm here to teach you how creativity and radical self-care will stop you from feeling stuck so you can start living a more fulfilled life. Hey friend, I'm Sigoni, yarn lover, proud introvert, and recovering anxious perfectionist. After many years of struggle, I finally realized mental health is an internal battle only we can fight our way out of. So after a complete mental breakdown, I started focusing on my needs and in the process learned a buttload about myself. Stress is a part of everyday life. The only way out is to live a little more creatively. So grab a crochet hook, a cute journal, and get comfy cozy. It's time to crochet through your emotions. One of the reasons I'm really excited about today's episode is because this is the general sequence you'll see from me in future episodes. First, using crochet to practice mindfulness, which we talked about in episode one. Then reflecting on our emotions, tendencies, and habits as we touched on in episode two. And then the really fun part, which is learning and implementation, which is what we'll talk about today. Those three components are what you'll need to take back control of your mental health. So get used to those three things, crochet, self-reflection, and then taking that information to learn and grow into a new you. Now, let's back up. In the last episode, I talked about burnout and compared it to having your car running on empty because you've been too distracted to pay attention to the fuel gauge. If you haven't reflected on the signs you've been seeing in yourself regarding burnout or mental exhaustion, go listen to episode two where I shared all the signs I ignored when my mental health was suffering. Then come back and listen to this one so we can get you out of that pit of despair because these are all the things I did to gain back control of my mental health, and I know they're gonna help you too. Now I have this problem called short-term memory loss. Not really, but sometimes I wonder if I do. I have the worst memory, and it drives me nuts. When I decided to share all the things I did last year to get where I am today, I couldn't remember a thing. I was like, wait, how did I even get here? Where did I start? How was I feeling? All I remembered was how I used to feel completely overwhelmed and filled with anxiety, and now I didn't. And obviously, I didn't plan on creating a podcast around it, so I didn't take any notes along the way. But I knew I had to start filling in the blanks, so I started writing, because that's the best way I'm able to think. I even went back into my journals and morning pages to see where I was mentally at the time and what self-improvement techniques I was working on. And I came up with these 11 different things that I started doing that made a serious impact on my mental health. And that's what I wanted to share with you today. 
there is sort of an order in which you can do these things. So the way I list them will be by starting with what I did first to what I'm doing now. And all of these things, most of these things, I'm still doing. I never stopped. And 11 things might sound like a lot, but I implemented these things one step at a time. And they're all simple enough that even though I still do them all today, it doesn't feel like I'm doing a whole lot. It's just kind of become a habit over time. So some things you can do simultaneously with others, but most things take time to start implementing. Now, before we get into the 11 things that I did, I have a bonus suggestion that needs to, talk, that needs to be talked about first because this isn't something everyone can do, but it's something I did and it made a huge difference for me. So as you may know, I'm fortunate enough to work from home and be my own boss. So obviously, I set my own hours. And at this point, I decided to completely stop working. And I know most people can't just stop working. So that's why it's not part of the extensive list I put together. But I still wanted to share it because it was a critical moment for me. It allowed me to fully focus on myself, especially when the kids were in school. It was really, really hard for me to do. I had never taken a break like that before, and if you've listened to the previous episodes, you'll know that I've been running my business for the last seven years, and only one, maybe two times did I take a couple months break, and that was because the first time we got hit with a hurricane, had to evacuate, lost our home, and we were homeless for two months, so (laughs) there's a reason why I didn't work then, but as soon as we got a new house up and running, I went straight back to work. And the second time, I believe we were moving here to Japan, and so I did have to take a couple months off for that as well. But both of those times, it completely ate away at me that I was taking a break. So even though I was not creating content at that time, my brain was thinking like, how can I turn this move into more content (laughs) instead of just focusing on my family, on my life, and just taking the time I needed to move or to deal with our evacuation situation. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, when we were moving here to Japan, I did partner with a company and I created content with them the entire time we were moving. So I remember even having, uh, I remember even posting videos when we had like no furniture at our house because it was all already gone. And even during our travels, we would do this thing. I don't, if you've been around, you'll, you'll know who Alfred the cat is. And I was working with another company and Alfred was our little companion. Um, the pattern we got from Annie's, Annie's publishing. That's who I worked with. And so Alfred actually traveled with us as we journeyed to Japan. So during our move, I was still working. And I just want to paint this picture for you so you can see how big of a deal it is for me to stop working. Whenever you have a work-from-home job, it sounds like it's easy, right? Like we, it should be simple for us to pick up or drop our work whenever we need to. But it's really not as easy as it might seem. And so that's why I just wanted to explain a little bit about how I've had this business for going on eight years and those were the only two times that I stopped working and one of those times I didn't even stop working. (laughs) I just kind of took it back a little bit but still was working with another company. And so 
again, this was the first time that I really took a break for myself, like actually thinking about my mental health needs versus an external reason to stop. So anyway, if this is something that you can do or you're a stay-at-home mom, I absolutely recommend it. But if you can't up and quit your job like I can, then see if you can take a few days to a week off just for a mental staycation. And if you do, you can try some of these things that I did, and that might be all you need to get your life back on track. It took me several months to feel ready to get back to work, but that's for a few different reasons. One, I was taking my time. Two, I was able to because I'm my own boss. And three, I had already reached my mental breakdown and didn't catch it in time. If I did catch it in time, I might not have needed such a long break. But this was completely rock bottom for me. And so I needed that extra time to get back on my feet. So if you can, take a few days off of work. Especially if taking off work or having sick days or vacation days isn't something that you normally do. Vacation days are very much needed, even if you're not going on an actual vacation. So if you can, do it. But if not, if you're in a place where you can't take work off at all, you can still do these things, of course. But you'll just have to make sure you're really intentional with the time you do have. Think of some things you can set aside while you start working on yourself. Because things aren't going to get any better if you don't prioritize your mental health. Okay, let's get into the 11 things that I did to really take back control of my mental health. As I said, the first thing I did was I stopped working. And so the first few weeks after I stopped working, I literally just sat on the couch and watched TV. This sounds so lazy, I know. Trust me, even I was mad at myself for it. I had no desire to do anything. Sometimes I would sit on the couch and cry until it was time to pick up the kids from school. It's really sad when I think about it, but I was in a really, I was just feeling really lost then. And I just, even though I sat there and cried, I just didn't, I didn't know what to do with my life. I felt a lot of self-pity, but also a lot of guilt for feeling the way that I did. And for a while, I didn't think I'd be able to get out of that funk. But I just told myself I needed that time to rest. And so instead of being hard on myself and saying, wow, you're so lazy, I can't believe you're just sitting on the couch all day, I allowed myself to have that time to rest. I just needed, my brain needed a break from thinking and planning and racing 24-7. So watching TV and sitting in my thoughts and emotions was the first thing that I did. And that takes me to the first step to taking back control of your mental health, and that's learning to sit with your emotions, which is also known as emotion processing. It may not feel like it in the moment, but emotions are good, whether they're negative or positive. It's proof that we're human. We all feel these emotions, so there shouldn't be any shame behind them. Getting upset with yourself for feeling a certain way only makes you feel worse, which is exactly how I felt when I was sitting on the couch doing absolutely nothing all day. I felt like I was completely wasting my time and that there were hundreds of other things that I should be doing, like taking care of the house or getting back to work. While I was wallowing in my self-pity, I was so mad at myself. I felt so guilty for being sad. 
I didn't even understand why I felt so sad and lost, and it turned into anger at myself. I was tired of constantly feeling overwhelmed. I would tell myself that I'm in my 30s and I should have my life together, that many people have way bigger problems. I felt lazy, inadequate, and like I was the only one who sucked so bad at life. It was some of the worst negative self-talk I had given myself in a really long time. But one thing I do know is just because there are other people out there who have worse problems than I do, it doesn't mean I should minimize the way I was feeling. No matter what you're feeling, you have a valid reason for feeling that way. Putting yourself down is only going to fuel that negative thinking. And so that's why I was finally able to just give myself a break. I told myself, you are always running around doing this, doing that, trying to make everybody else happy. It's time for you to just relax and do something for yourself. So acknowledge the feeling. Ask yourself why you feel that way. Tell yourself you have every right to feel that way. Sit with it. And when you're ready, move on from it. You can process these emotions in silence, or you can process them while resting, reading, watching TV, crafting, crocheting, or whatever else makes you happy. It's good to sit in silence with your emotions as you're first working through it, but when you're ready to move on, it's also great to have a distraction, as long as you're giving yourself that time to really sit with those emotions. The second step is to learn how to crochet if you haven't already, and I'm sure you knew I was going to say that one. If you haven't yet learned how to crochet, this will greatly reduce your daily stress, especially if you have a project you can easily pick up and get to work on. The repetitiveness of crochet helps to calm your nerves and it allows you to process emotions at the same time. This is one of the reasons why I'm so adamant that people learn how to crochet because meditation and mindfulness plays a really big role in happiness. But when you have crochet, you can practice mindfulness and meditation without having to sit there with your palms face up, crisscross applesauce in silence. That is actually really hard for a lot of people. And while meditation in silence is important and really helpful, it's good to have that alternative where you can crochet and also be mindful at the same time because you really get the same benefits. The third step to taking back control of your mental health is journaling. This made a huge difference for me. It was probably, well, obviously it's the third step. So it is one of the first things that I started doing. My anxiety stemmed from overwhelm. And that's a side note. That could be something that would really help you too, to figure out what exactly is the culprit for the anxiety or the stress that you feel. But we'll, we'll turn that into step four. So we'll talk about that in a minute. I've said it a hundred times in only three episodes so far, but overwhelm was a constant issue for me. I always had so much swirling around in my brain, to-do lists, work to-dos, house to-dos, school, sports, the kids' homework, birthdays, holidays. I never seemed to have one thing on my mind at a time. It was just all the things. And one day I was talking to a friend and telling her how overwhelmed I was. And she told me to sit down and write it out. And I was thinking, well, how is that going to help? That's not going to do anything. It's just going to make me see all the things that I don't want to acknowledge. But I did it anyway. I sat down and I wrote everything out that was swirling around in my brain. 
And while I was writing, it felt like the words were physically coming out of my brain and landing on the paper. Like all the thoughts were emptying from my brain and I didn't feel as overwhelmed as I was. Sometimes you can look at the list and start working on one thing at a time. And sometimes I did do that. But other times it was just a bunch of random information or things that I was overthinking. And so in those times, I would just crumble up the paper and throw it away because the act of writing it out made me feel less overwhelmed. Okay, so back to what I was saying before, the next thing that you could try is figuring out the culprit to your anxiety or stress. To do this, you can read self-help books related to your struggle. For me, I've read books about anxiety, adult ADHD, raising kids with ADHD, books about how to stop overthinking, and the list goes on. The anxiety books made me realize that a lot of my anxiety was built upon habits that I absolutely had control over. I just didn't realize I needed to stop doing them. My son being diagnosed with ADHD last year led to the discovery of my own ADHD, and I started realizing the reason why certain organizing or productivity techniques never worked for me, because those techniques weren't for people with ADHD. I had to figure out how to make things work for me and not hate myself when I couldn't make it work. I just had to keep trying new things until something stuck. Reading self-help books helps you learn a lot about yourself that you never would have known. And that leads me into step five, and that is to start implementing what you learn one step at a time. Reading self-help books is really helpful, but you cannot tackle a million different things at once. Start with one book, one struggle, and then take action on what the book tells you to do. And keep trying. If you give up after something doesn't work, then you'll never find the thing that works for you. Right now, think about something that you really struggle with. Is it clutter, overwhelm, anxiety, time management, raising kids with a disability, raising kids in general? What's one thing you can do more research about? Then start implementing what you learn one day at a time or implement as you go before you start a new book in a different area. Because if you're reading more than one of these kinds of books at once, you're just gonna get super overwhelmed. And this is something that I have to learn myself because I get really excited and I'm like, oh, this book will really help me in this area and this book will help me in a different area. And so I try to read one during the day and one at night And then I get confused and I don't learn as much, I don't retain the information, and I definitely don't start implementing. So one book at a time, one struggle at a time. And then once you start implementing, you create these habits so that you've completely fixed the struggle and you're ready to move on to fix the next one. So step five, start implementing what you learn one step at a time. Now step six is to read fiction books especially if you're someone who struggles with anxiety because it allows your mind to escape into a new world. I used to tell myself I had no time to read and I didn't read a single book for over two years and I used to love reading. Growing up, I always used to love reading. So two years of no reading is super surprising for me and really sad because that's a lot of books that I missed out on. But I'd been wanting to start reading again And I just kept making excuses, saying that I had no time. Then one day, one of my friends came over, and my neighbor ended up coming over while she was here. And 
they did not know each other, but they both happened to be reading the same books. And so they were having this conversation about it and they were so excited and passionate about them that I knew I had to join the club. And so I immediately started reading these same books that they were reading and we had our own little book club kind of, but it was just a really fun way to one, start reading again, and two, be able to talk about these books. And it just got us really excited and all these, I don't know how to explain it. (laughs) It was just really fun to have some friends where we were all reading the same book and being able to talk about it, especially when we all became obsessed and we started getting stickers and it was just, it was just a fun time. (laughs) But anyway, I said that I didn't have any time. So how did I find the time? Well, it turns out I had quite the opening and didn't even realize it. So I still lay my four-year-old down to bed every night. He refuses to fall asleep on his own. So I lay with him every night until he falls asleep. And this is one of the reasons why I was feeling irritable at night. I didn't mind laying with him, but after a long day, I'm exhausted myself. And sometimes it would take him an hour or more to fall asleep. And that's when my impatience would set in. I hated feeling frustrated by it because I wasn't going to let him cry it out, as they say, because that has never worked in the past, and it only causes more frustration. And I also hate the thought of him feeling alone. It's just one of those things I hated as a kid, and I wouldn't want him to have the same experience I did. So anyway, this is the time slot I decided to start reading. That way, I wasn't laying there waiting for him to fall asleep. I was relaxed, patient, more understanding. I was able to start reading and it would help me wind down as much as it did for him. So find the time to read. Maybe you spend your wind down time scrolling on your phone. Well, not only is the light bad for your eyes, but the information you consume could be the cause of your anxiety and overthinking at night. See what happens when you replace doom scrolling with a good book and let me know what you think. Now on to step seven, have multiple hobbies up your sleeve. Now, I don't mean learn 10 new hobbies at once. In fact, don't do that. Start with the hobbies you used to love and know how to do. My hobbies are crochet, journaling, reading, drawing, and coloring. These are all great for me because they're simple, easy to set up, and they're calming. (laughs) And because I have a few options, I always have something to choose on based on how, how I'm feeling that day. And see, that's a really easy step to implement because you're choosing hobbies that you have already done in the past or that you're currently doing and just creating more time for them. Or you can just be filling in the gaps of your day. So if you have 15 minutes here or there, why not just pull out a coloring book and start coloring? Step eight is a little more intensive (laughs) and it's to create systems for your home. Create new habits or routines Start a new decluttering schedule. Start doing a Sunday reset like I do, but I'll tell you more about that in future episodes. Get a planner because when you don't have a plan, it feels like chaos. And I remember coming across this quote and it was like a punch in the gut. The quote was, the state of your house is the state of your mind. My house was cluttered, therefore my mind was cluttered. And I knew I had to do something about it. So for me, I started with decluttering one room or area per week. For you, it might be something different. Identify that problem and take small steps to fix it. So what's the biggest problem that you have in your house right now? Is it the laundry? Chores for the kids? 
Meal planning, pick something that's really a struggle for you and start learning how you can make it work better. But again, small steps, okay? So if you're already doing something else from step five, then make sure that you finish that first and then start working on systems for your home. So we're doing all these things one step at a time. Now the ninth thing to taking back control of your mental health is to take simple steps to taking care of your physical health while at the same time giving yourself a break and stop striving for perfection. And if you are anything like me, you have felt so much stress and guilt around eating healthy. I wanna make sure that I'm feeding my kids well, but they are the pickiest eaters in the world. I want to make homemade breakfast, lunch, and dinner that fills my family with energy and plenty of nutrition. I want to drink more water and not have so much sugar and eat more vegetables. But I also want my kids to eat. There's no ideal solution for food. The food industry makes it real hard for us to eat well, especially when they rarely make cereal with less than 5 grams of sugar. There's high fructose corn syrup in everything. And what is high fructose corn syrup anyway? Plus, the fact that I just don't have the time or the energy to do all the things I want to do. So this is something I've really had to step back and chill out about. I can't feed my family the perfect meals every day. Sometimes it'll be cereal for dinner. Lots of days we'll eat out. And yeah, I have Pop-Tarts in my pantry. But hey, at least we have smoothies with hidden veggies throughout the week. I've created a secret concoction for a healthier PB&J because that's all my four-year-old will eat. And I'm taking baby steps towards learning all I can about nutrition. I didn't even mention exercise, but my point is, do what you can. Don't put so much on yourself that you instead do nothing. Because, hello, been there, done that. Step 10 is to listen to podcasts that make you feel less alone. And hopefully this podcast will be a comfort for you in that regard. I would be so happy to know that it's helped you feel less alone and that you found it informative and thought-provoking. And if it has, I would love for you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to share your thoughts because that's the whole reason I'm here. But I can't see you, so if you don't tell me you like the show, then I'll never know. When I was going through this rough patch, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I would listen to moms talking about mom life, and usually it was on the humorous side of things because it had me cracking up and feeling seen. I also started listening to a podcast that spoke to writers, and although I would never write a fiction book, I loved hearing the critiques and interviews with the authors, and I learned about a lot of really great books that I ended up adding to my reading list. Those were podcasts that didn't require much thought on my end. I was just listening and enjoying My kids even started listening to story podcasts while they clean their room or fold their clothes, which I thought was really fun. And lastly, step 11, spark some curiosity in your life. I learned this from the book Unwinding Anxiety. Our brains love curiosity, and so it's important to try new things, to learn about new things, or to step outside your comfort zone. What's something that you've always wanted to learn more about? Is there a hobby you've always wanted to try? I have some really fun ideas related to crochet that I'm going to share with you in future curiosity episodes, but you can do this with anything. For example, let me just Google something for you right now. All right, here's a little fun fact for you. 
The Eiffel Tower gets taller in the summer. How is that possible? I have no idea. And I'm not telling you. Now you're going to have to go look it up and find out why the Eiffel Tower gets taller in the summer. So did that spark some of your curiosity? If it did, then my job is done. <laughs> I have sparked your curiosity. And now you might be able to see how important it really is. Because when you say to yourself, hmm, why is that? Then, I don't know, I could be wrong. I remember reading this, but I don't know if I'm 100% accurate. But you get like a hit of dopamine whenever you are curious about something. And dopamine creates happiness. And I am not a psychologist, but I know I've read that somewhere. And so I'm just going to go with that. <laughs> so there you have it. Those are the 11 steps I took to take back control of my mental health. This is my entire podcast mission in a nutshell. So if you felt like this was a lot, know that in every episode coming out in the future, we're going to be diving deeper into each of these things. I'm so, so excited to accompany you on this journey you're about to go on. I can't wait for you to learn all these amazing new things about yourself. And most importantly, I can't wait for you to start feeling like the person you've always wanted to be deep down. Someone who doesn't let stress and anxiety take over their life. I'm so here for you and so excited for you. And I will see you next week. Hey, before you go, if this podcast inspired, motivated, or encouraged you in some way, I would love for you to leave me a written review. That is the number one way you can thank me. And I love hearing from you. Come connect with me over on Instagram and always remember, you can do anything, but you cannot do everything. Talk soon.